Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, the gospel message is full of superlatives. Its importance, its magnificence, its consequences are all of an incomprehensive order of magnitude. And that's why we here at Anchor Point don't take lightly the privilege we have of proclaiming it far and wide. First of all, it involves love's highest expression, the unbounded love of God shown to us in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God is love, says the Bible and so our very concept and understanding of what love is originates in him. It is vast and incomprehensible, sacrificial and unconditional, and it is expressed most fully at the cross of Calvary, where the Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died for the ungodly. But what else do we see at Calvary? Well, we see humanity's truest colors there as well. The true wickedness of the human heart against God has been revealed, and it isn't pretty. But that's not all. We see the heaviest load imaginable placed upon the Savior himself, the load of the sin of all mankind all through the ages. What an incomprehensible load, yes, and there's another superlative. Sinners like you and me have the broadest acceptance imaginable. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin, the Bible says, and that takes the vilest sinner in. What a message we have for you today. Evangelist Mr. Peter Ramsey looks at these superlatives in an effort to make his listeners understand what really took place there at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Luke chapter 23. Sometimes we take it for granted that people who come into an auditorium like this understand what our motive is for having such a meeting. Maybe not. I talked to someone the other day, and I said, that we don't take a collection. There's no money involved. But he said, we could give a donation if we came, couldn't we? I said, actually, no, there's no, there's no way to give a donation where, where it's not about money. You might see religious shows and TV, and it's all about money, mostly. He said, yes, it's sickening. And it is. But what we're talking about tonight is not a church membership drive, and it's not a fundraising effort. We have one motive. We would like you to come to know our Savior. We would like you to experience the forgiveness of sins. We would like you to have peace that we have and enjoy. And we would like you to be absolutely sure you're going to heaven. So many people are just, they have their fingers crossed hoping they're going to make it, hoping that they're going to squeak through into the kingdom. That's not the Bible message. Now, I thought it was sort of touching just before we read these verses here. It was the month of June in Scottsdale, Arizona. A very famous person died. His name was Muhammad Ali. He was an American Olympic and professional boxer and activist. 
and most of the older folk here would recognize Muhammad Ali's name. Some say he's regarded as one of the most significant and celebrated sports figures of the 20th century. And so at his funeral, his wife of 30 years, she spoke. She said that when the end came for him, he wanted us to use his life and his death as a teaching moment for young people, for his country, and for the world. That sounded very noble. She said, he awoke every morning thinking about his own salvation. And he would often say, I just want to get to heaven and I've got to do a lot of good deeds to get there. That was really sad. I wonder what you think you have to do to get to heaven. His son, on one of his occasions when he had contact with his son, it was actually his 50th birthday, and he told his son, this is a quote from his son, he told me he was afraid of what might happen to him in the afterlife because of some of the things he had done. Maybe there's someone here tonight, and you think you have a lot more to do to get to heaven. Maybe you're wondering if you've done enough. Have you done enough? Can you say, look it, I don't have to do another good deed. As of today, I have reached my limit and now I have what it takes to get to heaven. Can you put your head on your pillow tonight and say, there, I've done enough and now I'm absolutely sure I'm going to be in heaven. I've never met anyone who had that confidence about their own deeds. They're always thinking they have to do a little bit more. But what we're going to read about tonight is not about things that we have to do. It's about a work that was already done by Jesus Christ. And it's in Luke chapter 23 and verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors or the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now, that's the word I want to talk about for a few minutes tonight. Calvary. If you were to look up the meaning of Calvary, it's just a place of a skull. It just means a skull, the skull of a person's head. And so maybe you're reading a, a translation that doesn't have the word Calvary in it. It has the skull. But I want you to think for a while tonight about what took place at Calvary on the cross when Jesus died. You know, just knowing about Christ takes nobody to heaven. But the flip side of that is just receiving Christ takes anyone to heaven. So if you just know about him, just knowing about him takes no one to heaven. But just receiving Christ takes anyone to heaven. And so we can look at a respectable audience like this tonight and say, if you receive Christ as your Savior, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what lanes and paths you've been down in life, if you receive Christ as your personal Savior, you can have all your sins forgiven and be absolutely sure of heaven. Christ is available to everyone. But Calvary is very special. That's why I wanted to sing that hymn, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride, Caring Not My Lord Was Crucified, Knowing Not It Was For Me He Died at Calvary. My son-in-law, 
grew up with the gospel through his teen years, into his 20s, finished university, good job, 25, knew all about Christ, thought he knew everything about the Bible, 26, 27, Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion, comes out. He had heard some Christians say, well, I don't know whether you should go see that or not because it so graphically depicts what can't be depicted by an artist. The sufferings of Christ could never be communicated by someone's imagination. And so he wondered, but a colleague at work said, would you go and come with me to the, see the passion? And he went to see the passion. And he came home that night. He walked into his room and he got on his knees and he said, to think that I've lived 27 years and I've memorized that verse. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment in order for us to have peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we're healed. To think that I memorized that, that was one of my favorite verses in Sunday school. And then I went to that movie and I saw it displayed on the screen. And I have never in 27 years thanked Jesus Christ for suffering for my sins. And he thanked him that night. He understood it was personal. What happened on the cross before it was just history, accumulated knowledge in his mind about the cross, about Calvary. But that night it became very personal to him. Jesus died for me and I better say thank you. And he was saved that night. I wonder, is Calvary personal to you? Calvary, the place of love's highest expression. Oh, there's elaborate expressions of love. When I asked my wife to marry me under an elm tree in her parents' driveway, it was pretty basic, sitting in the car. And I had the ring and everything, and I was proposed. And now I say, man, Peter, you blew it. Look at you could have had a big cloud up in the sky, a plane with jets, colored stream coming out of the jet. I love you, or will you marry me? So basic. And you know how elaborate those proposals are today? Do you love me? I love you. You see the pictures in the prairies. Someone has taken a tractor and they have put in the fields a big heart and the wheat. And it's an expression of love. But let me tell you, Calvary is a place of love's highest expression. Place where the ultimate sacrifice was made. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, he didn't just give him to be born in a manger. When God gave his son, he gave him up to the death of the cross. That's what he gave. He sacrificially gave him that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The place of love's highest expression. God is love. I don't know what you think about God tonight, but twice over in 1 John we read, God is love. John goes so far as to say, we know love and we are able to love because he first loved us. We wouldn't know anything about love if it hadn't been that God is love. And God who is love created us with the capacity to love and to be loved. And so tonight, consider Calvary, the shame and the pain. God knew it all would happen. But because he loved us so, he gave his son to die on the cross at Calvary. First John 3 verse 16 says, 
Here's how we know. Here's how we see the love of God. Because He laid down His life for us. There are people in the world that I love. And it's a deep love. But I have never met anyone yet in the world that I love so much that I would give my son, my son, to die instead of them. That's love. And God so loved you. Have you never said thank you yet? God loved you to this extent. This was the character of his love that he gave his son to die on the cross. Romans 5 and 8 says, God demonstrated or God proved or God commended his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. People say, if I'm going to ever be a Christian, I'm going to have to clean up my act. I'm going to have to reduce my swear words. I'm going to have to tip the bottle less. I'm going to have to stop gambling. And these outbursts of rage, I'm going to have to get them under control if God is ever going to love me and if I'm ever going to be a Christian. But what does that verse, we just quoted it, Romans 5 and 8. God proved his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just the way you are tonight. First John 4 and 10 says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Love, place of love's highest expression. It's a place of humanity's truest colors. You know what I mean when I say that? The place of humanity's truest colors. You see, we can become so respectable and so civilized. We know how to greet each person. And we know how to put on the smile. And we know how to shake the hand. And we know how, if we're visiting the queen, we know how to do the little dip or whatever it's called. I don't know what they call that. Genuflector, curtsy or something. We know how to behave. We could think that we're pretty good. But at Calvary, the place of humanity's truest colors comes out. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, what did humanity do? When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they threw their arms around him and embraced him with a kiss. Is that what the verse says? No. The true colors of the human heart come out. There they crucified him. Who? Who crucified him? They. Who are they? Were they Martians? Were they extraterrestrial beings who came down in a spaceship and climbed out and crucified him? You say, no. Who were they? Human beings with a heartbeat just like mine. Probably type A or type B blood too. Human beings. Our true colors come out at the cross. That's what the human heart really thinks of God and his son Jesus Christ. We could take it for 33 years, his beautiful, sinless, holy, spotless life. We took what we could get from him, his miracles. We got our sick healed. And we got our sight back. And the leprosy was healed. But when his perfect, holy, spotless life against ours, it showed us how ungodly we really were, how full of pride our hearts were, and we couldn't take it. We didn't measure up to that holy standard. And at 33 years, we crucified him. There they crucified him, human hearts, beneath the veneer of civility, respectability. I don't know whether you've ever seen it or faced it in your own heart. 
But beneath that veneer, that thin layer, that facade, there's a deep-seated hatred in the human heart towards God. That's why people refuse to trust Christ as their Savior. No, I will do it my way. That's why people say, no, I don't want to hear the gospel. That's why people say, I will not surrender to God. That's why I will not yield. I will never say thank you. Because it's right in our hearts, that hostility and animosity towards a holy God. But maybe God is speaking to you tonight. And you realize that there is no connection with God. I just looked at this. It's in the back of my Bible. I use it sometimes. But this is what it looks like for you. It's not a plus sign. It's not a multiplication sign. You don't have to be advanced in mathematics to understand what that sign is. It's a division. Think of yourself as a bottom dot. Think of the top dot as God. Do you know what the line is in between? You went to sleep with that line last night in between you and God. It's a division sign. You're not united to God in your sins. That line there is our sins. Our sins. What an awful way to live a day. What an awful way to try to sleep at night. To close your eyes in the darkness of your room and say, but I am not connected to the almighty God, my sins. The issue of my sins are still glaring in God's sight. I've never had my sins forgiven. That's the issue. And at Calvary, the place of humanity's truest colors, we left a big footprint at Calvary. Climate change, global warming. The question is the carbon footprint that we are making. That's what they're all talking about today. The woes of climate change. But far more significant for humanity are the footprints and the thumbprints of human beings all over Calvary. We left our marks on the body of the Lord Jesus. He was so rudely and cruelly treated. Have you ever faced what's in your heart? That inner hostility. Have you thought about your sins today? Or are you trying to block it? I took my wife to the airport this afternoon. Sorry for the personal reference. For years she would not fly. Would not fly. But now we have grandchildren who live up here. And so, guess what? We drove up and she flew home. Dropped her off at the airport. I said, you seem like a really calm flyer. She didn't seem to be on edge at all as I took our parking space at the Terminal 3 and we walked into the airport and she seemed calm, cool, and collected. She said, I'm good at blocking. Blocking. There may be someone here tonight and you've grown accustomed to blocking the ugliness and the awfulness of your sin. But tonight our prayer is that you'd stay awake this evening. You say, that's mean. No, you would understand if, if you were able to have that barrier removed this evening and by 11 o'clock tonight you were trusting Christ as your Savior and you're saying, yes, my sins are forgiven. You would understand why we're praying that you'd stay awake. Because our prayer is that you would not go to sleep tonight with the barrier of sin separated between you and your God and the cross. And tonight, we're telling you that the cross and what took place on the cross 2,000 years ago, that's the answer for your greatest need. 
Your greatest problem tonight is not your family. And your greatest problem is not your finances or your career or your job or lack thereof or your friends. Your greatest problem this evening, if you've never had that barrier of sins removed, their greatest problem is your sin. I'm glad that I can tell you that at Calvary, it was the place of history's heaviest load. There have been some great buildings built, brick, concrete, steel. Unless it's changed in the last few months, the Philadelphia City Hall is the tallest load-bearing structure on the planet. took 30 years to build. It's only 548 feet high. Walls at its base has up to 22 feet of concrete thickness to hold all the weight. But engineers say it's the heaviest load-bearing building in the world. Do you know the heaviest load ever experienced in the world was the load that was on Jesus on the cross? No engineer could ever calculate the load that was born at Calvary. You say, what was that load? wasn't the spit. It wasn't the weight of the crown of thorns. The load, we read in Isaiah 53, the Lord God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, what a load was placed on Jesus. All our sins of all people of all ages. God, in some way that our minds cannot fathom or comprehend, put them all upon his sinless, spotless son that he loved. And he took the punishment. He took the judgment that should have fallen on Peter Ramsey. He died for me. He took my sin's heavy load. That's why I love him. That's why I thanked God for sending his son today for my sins. The place of history's heaviest load. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins. What a load. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Finally, Calvary is a place of the sinner's broadest acceptance. Ah, there's some pretty narrow places. Calvary is a place of sinner's broadest acceptance. Any sinner. People who have been in jail for sentenced to 599 years for crimes that they've committed, if they come as a lost, guilty sinner to Jesus, they will find acceptance and the forgiveness of sins. And of you tonight, oh, I don't think there's anybody here that has a sentence like that in the courts of earth. But you have a guilty sentence over you tonight in God's court. You could have it removed this evening if by faith you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Calvary is a place of the sinner's broadest acceptance. If you come, there has never been one who has come to the foot of the cross that he's turned away. He'll accept you tonight. God expressed his full, free, and unconditional love in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. It has been the theme of thousands of hymns of praise down through the centuries, 
and the focus of thousands of gospel entreaties that have sounded through the ages as well. Have you responded to this greatest of all loves? Trust Christ, won't you? He loves you, and he died for your sins. Take his offer and rejoice in knowing your sins forgiven for the here and the now and for eternity. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.